Welcome to the Heather Pity Podcast. This podcast is about going after the life that you're made for, not just surviving life, but actually thriving. So thanks for joining us. Let's jump in. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to have Becca with us here today. Thank you so much for having me. I've been really looking forward to this conversation. I have been too. And we had, we got to talk for a couple minutes before the show, but I was like, we got to save it for the show because we were starting to have too much fun, but she has written the clarity journal. And as all of you know, I believe in three C living and that's what my book is about clarity, confidence, and courage. So I was really excited to bring uh, Becca on our show to talk a little bit about the clarity journal and what she does as a coach. So Becca, I'm going to hand it over to you and I'm going to let you do your own introductions. What do you do and what do you, what do you, what are you passionate about? So I am really passionate about helping people figure out how to regain momentum and clarity because I think that so often when we get stuck, we just lose sight of what we, it's because we lose sight of what we want. And, um, it's really funny because I've been a coach for a long time, but you know, we ebb and flow with our clarity. And mm-hmm. I was in this point a couple of years ago where, you know, I just had a lot of things go kind of hard and sideways. Like I had a second kid and the second kid had lots of ear infections, was sick a lot. And just like mm-hmm. a lot of, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because when that happens, you don't really recognize that it's happening besides the fact that you've stripped out everything besides you're just in survival mode. Yeah. And you almost don't even mind it. Like Mm -hmm. because you're in survival mode, you're just getting through next this day, get through the next day, keep the Mm -hmm. kids alive, whatever. Mm -hmm. But then once things started getting better and like easier, that's actually when it really hit me that I wasn't happy with the directions I had taken. Mm -hmm. And I was really trying to figure out what I wanted and Mm -hmm. I was complaining about this to a friend because that's what we do when mm-hmm. we feel stuck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she was so funny. Like, talk about mm-hmm. truth to power. She was like, Becca, you're a coach. What do you tell your clients? And <sighs> a deep breath. And just like, you're right. Yeah. You're totally right. What do I tell my clients? And, I, mm-hmm. and the real answer to that is I don't tell my clients anything. What I do is I ask really insightful questions Mm -hmm. to help them figure out their aha moments Mm -hmm. because really the answers always have to come from within you. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times when you're doing that thing where you're talking to your friend over and over again about the same thing, you're like almost looking for them to solve your problem and they can't, it has to come from within. So Mm -hmm. I got off the phone and I wrote down every question I could think of that I'd mm. ever asked anyone. And then I went back and started answering those questions for myself. And as I was doing it, I was just so aware of how powerful it is to get out of your own mind and be asked these questions that really get you started to think, because when you are mm-hmm. stuck, you are just literally stuck. You're stuck in the same pattern of thought. You're mm-hmm. really not looking at things in new ways. And so I, as soon as I started writing it all down, I was like, this is gold. Like mm-hmm. everyone needs this when they're stuck. Like, yes, you also could use coaching, but it really just being able to get outside yourself a little bit and start looking at things in different way is really powerful. So I started writing the clarity journal and that's how I got here. Oh, I love it. So the clarity journal, it sounds like it's it's a reflective process then for people to take their own journey 
to really get into that ebb and flow, to use your words earlier, of clarity. Because I agree with you. It's amazing. And I, too, am a coach that focuses on clarity, confidence, courage. And I'm like, man, I don't feel like I have clarity today. You don't even want to admit that. But I I do admit it to clients because I want to say, this is us going after clarity. And it doesn't just, it's not a one and done. Like, check that off. I've got clarity. It's understanding when it's waning and when it's growing. And more importantly, what what, um, diminishes it and shrinks it and really what cultivates it. Of course, that's where I'm going to go with you. How do we cultivate our clarity? Well, I think kind of like going on what you were saying, like ebbs and flows. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes we look at clarity from a very 1950s perspective. We've really changed how we think about work and the idea that we don't need to be in the same job for 50 years. However, when we're thinking about clarity, life purpose, all of these things, it's almost like we're back in the 1950s. We're like looking at the thing that is going to solve the problem for the rest of our lives. Like what Mm -hmm. is our life purpose becomes what is literally our life purpose? Like, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? And Mm -hmm. anyone that's really interested in growing and personal development and like maximizing who they are, that is not realistic. You're not going to find something that you're happily going to be static with for the next 50 years. You're going to change. And so I really look at clarity as this process of, you know, you figure out what you want kind of long-term, but recognize that it's really just a continuum where you, you know, you try one thing, you go in one direction and maybe you have to pivot. Like you're going to constantly hit these pivot points. Mm -hmm. And so to me, like, real secret for not getting stuck is to actually expect that as soon as you hit a point where you no longer feel like you're growing and developing in a certain situation, you're going to have that blah feeling. You're going to feel stuck. You're going to feel a little like this isn't right anymore. And that's okay. It's just a warning sign. Hey, time to start switching gears and move on to the next thing. And Mm. I think that when you can expect it, it becomes a lot less like you're a failure. Um, Mm. I think sometimes when we don't expect it, failure might not be quite the right word, but we do feel kind of negative. Like, oh, maybe this wasn't right to begin with. Mm. No, it probably was right to begin with. You don't need to make it into a negative. It's just, it's not right now. I think a lot of people, especially women do this with their jobs. You know, Mm. it's like, why isn't this job growing with me? Instead of reali- like realizing this job isn't growing with me, I'm just going to go get another one. It's mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Like wanting other people to give it to them. Oh, I love that. Um, you know, just because I'm introducing you to our listeners, give us an idea of your typical client. Oh, so my, diff- my typical client is usually making a pretty decent career change and they really want to know what they're doing is quote unquote, the right thing. Mm. Uh, you know, they have usually built up their career in one path and, you know, they feel pretty confident in what Mm. they're doing, but they have something that's been nagging them in the back of the head, Mm. their head that they want to try. And sometimes I joke that it's my job to just almost give them permission Mm -hmm. because what they need is to hear someone who can hear all of their thoughts and give them ideas for how to like further, like make sure that they are covering all their bases, but also to acknowledge that 
it's okay to choose the thing that's not completely safe. Mm. It's okay to take a little bit of a leap of faith. It's okay to start. I mean, a lot of my clients end up starting businesses. I'd say about 30% mm. of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's okay to try on like new, like new parts of themselves mm. because yeah. you know, reinvent themselves. Mm -hmm. reinvent themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that like the biggest thing that I do is honestly, I help people get in touch with their strengths Mm. because if you're not in touch with your strengths, it's really hard to present yourself to the world, like what your value is. And Mm -hmm. I find that a lot of people really don't have an innate understanding of what their strengths and secret sauce are Mm -hmm. because it comes easy to them or it's something they've really practiced. But at this point, it comes easy to them. And so I run into this all the time. I'll be on like an initial conversation with someone and I'll be talking and telling me cool mm-hmm. stories and I'll be pulling the threads. And finally I'll be like, so I'm really hearing that X, Y, Z is a strength of yours. And I'll always stop and get really quiet. And I'll be like, and not like in a, like, Oh, you're totally right. But in a, I need to think about this mm. because a lot of times they didn't really understand it. And honestly, a lot of times they've been getting annoyed at other people in their office because they don't have that strength because it comes easy to them. They're not valuing it. Yeah. It's intrinsic. Mm -hmm. It's intrinsic. It's Mm -hmm. what is making you valuable. And Mm -hmm. the more you can really articulate it, the more that you can look for jobs that actually use your strengths and study your weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just, I think it's so important. Well, I like what you said too about giving permission. Um, I'm thinking about my book. The very first chapter is really giving people permission first to rest because out of rest comes the clarity, right? (laughs) We meet people like, at least I work with a lot of uh, individuals who are high achievers and they're out changing the world and they're doing a phenomenal job, but they can't figure out why they've stopped. And they're basically saying, hey, can you help me get going again? And I go, I think this is a moment for you to stop to pull over your car so you can get more clarity of where you want to get going. We don't want to just be going for the sake of going. So I like that you talked about this idea of permission. And I think it's so synergistically linked with getting our clarity. And I'm also listening to you talk about strengths. And I too believe, wow, the giving people the permission to believe that they're really naturally good at what they're good at. Because oftentimes, and you probably find this in your work, I'll say, it sounds like you're good at X, Y, Z. It sounds like you're actually a very loyal person or you're a very high communicator. And a lot of times they'll be like, yeah, I was kind of hoping that was true about me. And so then it's this next, you know, talk about clarity of like, well, then let's just pretend this is really true about you and you are full on into it. How would this change how you live today? So you're talking about this idea of permission and clarity and strengths, man, I just see this synergistic um, connection between all of those as you were talking. And I would say, yes. And I'm sorry, I have to make one more connection. (laughs) As you're talking about this idea of the answers come within, it empowers them to hold their own clarity. It empowers them to say, that's right. I actually am holding a lot of the answers within. I just need a, a kind and quiet guide who believes with me in my strengths, in my ability to hold my own answers and my ability to get my clarity. So I guess I want to ask you this question. You you talked about asking questions and it's again, another one of the chapters in my book of just asking good questions. 
what are some good questions that you're asking and might be some of the questions you're asking in your Clarity Journal? Okay, so my very favorite question in the Clarity Journal is who do you envy and what does that tell you about yourself? Mm. Because so often when we ask that of ourselves or of each other, it's not who do we envy, it's who do we admire, who do we respect? Mm-hmm. Like it's always kind of who do we put up on a pedestal? But we aren't going to even consider holding ourselves up on that pedestal. Whereas who do we envy is so specific. Like if you're a podcaster, you mm-hmm. don't envy a, you know, if you're a self-help kind of personal mm-hmm. development podcaster, you probably don't envy any sports mm-hmm. podcasters. You probably mm-hmm. don't even listen to them, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's very specific. If you, you, if you're envying someone because you envy their voice or you envy what they like, their mm. amazing questions, their ability to go in deep or their ability to get interesting people or how they monetize. There could be so many different little aspects of this. I think writing is another great mm. example. If you're an author, like you don't envy every person has a book out. You envy specific people that have something that you want. Mm-hmm. And the more that you can really dive into that, the more you can make it your own. Because if you really like dive into, I envy these five, these 10 people for these specific reasons, you can Mm. take that and make it your own. And it tells you so much about what you want for yourself. Well said. So I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Who do you envy? (laughs) What does that tell you about yourself? Oh my gosh. Well, the (laughs) first time I I ask you. And I'll share too. (laughs) The first time I asked myself that. So when Uh I was like that first day when I was writing all these down, um, it really came to me that I envy Carrie Smith, who is a, who who creates journals. Um, She creates these amazing journals. Her first, or at least K-E-R-R-I. Yeah. Like she wrote wreck this journal. I think that's the most popular one. Yes. And I was just like, that was so creative and interesting. I loved it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if I was going to tell you other people that I envy, I'd say, I mean, this goes back to the like pedestal a little Mm -hmm. bit, but Brene Brown, because Mm -hmm. I envy how she can be so off, like both an authority Mm -hmm. and really own every aspect of the negative of herself. It like with humor and grace, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know, I don't, necessarily envy that she's probably a billionaire at this point. Like I envy those specific (laughs) things about her, but that kind of tells me about me. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it would be a very different thing if I envied the money, like that would be, that would tell me a completely different thing about myself. Oh, I love that. Okay. So fair fair play here. Yeah. Fair play. I'll share. Um, I think it was about, you know, as soon as you asked that question, this memory came to mind about um, golly, almost 10 years ago where I felt almost not only just envious, but almost angry at this author because he was living this life of writing a book. And I remember feeling this like, why does he get to do that? And the words came out of my mouth that I was actually hiking with my husband. And I said that, and we both just burst out laughing. And he's like, where did that come from? I go, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just mad that he gets the life that I want. And it really set me on this new trajectory to really consider this idea of writing a book and taking that power back instead of looking at someone else. I mean, it was an embarrassingly petty comment to say, but it, at least I had enough um, self-awareness to laugh at myself going, oh my goodness, we got some work to do. <laughs> because, 
(laughs) You're feeling almost mad that this guy is getting to do what you are secretly wanting. I didn't even realize I wanted to do that until I could feel the envy coming up going, wow, he's just, he's just got it made the shade over there. And but if you ignore Yeah, sorry, I was going to say, if you ignore it, then you're missing the lesson. Like, yes. and so much of how, yeah. what we are trained as kids is to ignore our negative emotions. Yeah. And, and that makes, gives them way more power. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's not necessarily, I don't think envy is a negative emotion. Your response mm-hmm. to that envy can be negative, but I think the envy itself just is like your body, your brain telling you, Hey, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a possibility for you too. You should, you should think about this. Well, it's, I love that you said that in response to that. I think we move into, and you know, Brene Brown has taught us so much about the shame-based thinking and her research, but we feel the envy and then we feel shame to be able to feel the envy and go, wow, what does that tell me about myself? And kind of staying curious on yourself. It really empowers you to get your clarity. And mm-hmm. a more recent example is, um, I am not sure if I would feel envy. It was more of an admiration but I don't know if there's a fine line sometimes between those two. Right. <laughs> but it was with Bob Goff. And the way I responded to it is I've just reached out and uh, hired him as a coach. And he ended up doing the forward for my book because I loved his work and I loved the books he was writing. So oh. to be able to respond to that desire, I think what's under the envy is really a longing or a desire mm. to step into something that you secretly kind of think you're made for. So as a coach to be able to help honor that space with someone, what a gift. Yeah, exactly. And I think Mm. it's just, it is, it's a gift. It's, it's giving people the gift of being able to be honest with themselves Mm -hmm. and it not being quite as scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I often say we only need one person in our corner, just one person to kind of help us give that permission to find our strengths, to get our clarity. And it's amazing what we can do in this world. Right. Who's been that person for you? Oh, well, I would say one of the people is that friend of mine who mm. um, kind of, who did that, who, who inspired the Clarity Journal in the first mm-hmm. place. I think honestly, in a very real level, both of my parents um, mm. inspired that, even though I wouldn't necessarily say that they were always super clear of themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up as a woman, I think that so often without even meaning to parents Mm -hmm. would diminish their daughters, Mm -hmm. um, like diminish what they could do. And my parents literally never did that. Like they Mm. always encouraged me and they always thought I could, I I mean, I don't know whether they actually thought I could do it, Mm -hmm. but they always seemed like they thought I could do it. I remember when I was five years old, deciding I wanted to pierce my ears. And they never told me no. Like my mom really did not want me to pierce my ears. She tried to talk me out of it, but finally she was like, okay, well, you just need to pay for it yourself. And I saved up my like 50 cents (laughs) a week allowance for however long. And I got my ears pierced. Um, When Mm. I was 12, I wanted to become a vegetarian. And (laughs) my parents were like, that's great. You need to research how to like have a balanced diet and you need to make your own food. We're not cooking for you. (laughs) They've got great boundaries. I like them. (laughs) I know. And so it's like, you know, how special was that Mm -hmm. to be given that as a child to never be Mm -hmm. told you can't do it. Mm -hmm. It's just 
Hey, you need to figure it out. I'm sure you can do it, but you need to figure it out yourself. We're not going to hand it to you on a platter. Mm. Uh, I think that was really important. I love that. I think I want to also make a link with clarity and self-care. Um, some of the work that you do, I'm sure in coaching has to do a lot with the, not only the permission to identify your strengths, but the permission to, um, to self-care. Like I said, my first chapter is called the permission. It's the permission to rest. And there's a little permission slip. You actually fill out the end of that first chapter to give yourself that permission to rest. So I guess I want to talk a little bit about self-care. How do you do self-care and how do you encourage your clients to do (sighs) self-care? So, you know, I feel like self-care is this thing that we dumb down sometimes. Um, Mm. I'm not saying you do, but I feel like, you know, the vogues of the world, like all of the women's magazines, you're like 101 ways to like, and and I feel like that misses the point because Mm -hmm. to me, the point of self-care is actually recognizing what is going on. that's causing the depletion in the first place Mm -hmm. so that you can target the self-care to really correct for what is stressing you out. Yeah. So solution to it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I I was taught, I said this to someone else that was a podcaster and he was like, Oh, you know, I get massage therapy every week. And finally my massage therapist was saying, you know what? Like we can do this till the cows come home. This isn't going to fix your body. Like the tightness issues until you like actually Mm. find a way to let go of the stress because an hour after you get out of here, Mm. you're going to be stressed out again. It's all going to tighten back up. And I think that a lot of times we tell people, Hey, you're in a bad marriage or Hey, like you're stressed out at work because Mm. people are taking advantage of you. Go take a bubble bath. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that's not, it's like, you need permission to really like do the self-care that's going to be helpful. And so sometimes it's going and taking a hike just to give yourself space to hear your own voice and figure out what is going on. Sometimes that's permission to like Mm -hmm. brush off the resume and really like, okay, this job is not working for me. This is Mm -hmm. toxic for my Mm -hmm. body. And Mm -hmm. um, so I think that there's like this really big body mind connection to self-care that I wish was more talked about because if you're not really taking care of the underlying problem, you know, I mean, whatever, if you got cut off on the highway, then Mm -hmm. taking a bubble bath to let the cortisol come down is fantastic. Mm -hmm. If your boss yelled at you for the hundredth time, take the bubble bath, calm down and then job search, you Mm -hmm. know, or confront the boss. Right. Right. (laughs) That's another form of self-care. I see what you're saying. I love that. Yeah. And so I kind of, I always encourage people Mm -hmm. to go really deep. Like if you feel Mm -hmm. like you need self-care because everyone does Mm -hmm. really get into it because I think sometimes we also, I mean, I do this. Mm -hmm. I totally, I will cop to doing this more than I would like to. And I'm in the middle of a move. So I've got lots of stress, but you know, if you're stressed, Mm -hmm. like instead of like recognizing I'm stressed, because hiring movers is a pain in the neck. Like mm-hmm. my kids do something stupid. I yell or mm-hmm. I get, I don't, I'm pretty good about not yelling at this point. They're older, mm-hmm. uh, but I get short and like, I'm right. I like, mm-hmm. I'm right. Quote unquote, like what they were doing was annoying or what they mm-hmm. were doing. They know they weren't supposed to do, mm-hmm. but my reaction was oversized 
to what was happening. And I think that that's really the big warning sign. Like if your reaction to other people, Mm. what they're doing is oversized, I think you need to kind of look within like, okay, why am I feeling like a lot of times it's because you're feeling vulnerable or scared or, you know, I mean, sad or sad or taken Mm -hmm. advantage of. Yeah. Exploited. And, and, you know, the box Mm -hmm. of chocolates isn't going to help. Yeah. Oh, I love that you said that. I think it honors the complexity of our humanity too. And the individualness, you know, I, I opened my book with a very simple allegory and it's what I, what I use quite a bit in my coaching, but it's this idea of this little girl who loves jumping on her tire swing and it gives her so much joy and freedom. But as she grows up, she gets, she's given these bracelets and the bracelets then end up going up to her shoulders. So she prevents her from jumping on her tire swing and doing what she loves. And most people get the allegory because it's so simple and literally it's giving a new language to what you were saying earlier of just, we need more language around the complexities of self-care and what it looks like for each individual. So right. just the language now in my work that I do with people is they'll get on the line saying, you know, Heather, I need to, I need to find my tire swing today. And I'm like, awesome. Let's find it. Let's go find it. Is it, do you have to confront your boss and speak up and you don't have the words? Cause that's a form of self-care. Do you need a bubble right. bath? For heaven's sakes, do you need some chocolate? I mean, <laughs> we can right. find it all and we can get there and it gets to be beautifully complex so that the self-care becomes a true self-care, not a fake one. Right. Well, and often it's stacking it, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of times oh, when we yeah. talk about self-care, it's like, oh, a box of chocolate, mm-hmm. a glass of wine with friends. But it's like, it's actually like the complexity, like mm-hmm. how you stack it for yourself mm-hmm. really ends up, um, being almost exponential. Like each, mm-hmm. each thing that you are doing ends up being worth more at, in the aggregate than it would if you did each thing individually. Oh, well said. Yeah. And I think the other thing that's such a challenge is that we outgrow certain self-care. Have you noticed that? What worked for you maybe last year or in your twenties or your thirties, or even last week, no longer feels satisfying. It's like trying to go force yourself to take that bubble bath when you know you need to go have that difficult conversation. But you're trying to convince yourself the bubble bath is going to be all you need for self-care when in reality, you need to go have a difficult conversation, stand up for yourself. So I guess I want to ask you that. How do you support people as the self-care kind of changes? You got to have clarity around that, right? You know, I'm going to answer this question by saying a different, like sure. talking about like a slightly different thing. One of the things that I find when people are struggling like with productivity is that, you know, they had a system, like they had a, you know, they used Trello or they used bullet journaling or they used Mm -hmm. whatever. They had a formula. They had a formula and Mm -hmm. it stopped working. It started becoming rote. It stopped working. And instead of just recognizing that that formula stopped working, they beat themselves up (laughs) and they don't even notice that it's just their system that's not working. I actually, at this point, bounce between four different systems. I probably use each one for about three months and then I bounce to the next one because it just gets a little too over like Trello, especially Yeah, it's like (laughs) my to-do list becomes like a mile high. And I, instead of clearing it out, I just switch to bullet journals. And I think that that's kind of the same thing. It's that like 
Mm-hmm. Being mindful about what's working and what's not. Like so often when we talk about mindfulness, we're almost talking about the opposite of mindfulness because when we're talking about mindfulness, we're talking about meditation and like letting go of your mm-hmm. thoughts. But I think that there's also this need to really be in touch with ourselves and go in deep about like really spending time thinking mm-hmm. about what is and isn't working and mm-hmm. and kind of stopping the impulse to throw the baby out with the bathwater mm-hmm. because that's what happens. Like you mm-hmm. get overwhelmed because your system isn't working. Mm-hmm. And instead of really stopping and recognizing that the system isn't working, it's like you're wanting to try to make the system work for yourself still. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, and that's okay. Cause we grow and we change and that is our purpose in life. And so maybe when you start feeling yourself no longer getting the relief mm-hmm. you need from the self-care you have, that is a sign that maybe you should be trying some new things. Like go mm-hmm. take a cooking class or like mm-hmm. go, go try something new. And I think that that really also helps jar loose any ruts that you're in. Mm, I love that. The other thing too, is I tell people, the more creative you are and the more intelligent you are, the more you're going to have to mix it up because your mind is constantly growing and changing with you and it gets bored quickly and it It gets in a rut quickly. And some routines are very soothing and part of the self-care. I think about how I wake up and light a candle and get my warm lemon water and my tea. And, you know, I start this process of a slow wake up. Those are important rituals for me, but other things can really start getting in a rut and then dampening my creativity. And I have to let go of that. So even understanding what is supporting your creativity and what is, is robbing you of your creativity is a huge part of self-care. Right. And also letting go of of shoulds. I think the biggest Mm -hmm. self-care is letting go of every should in your life that you possibly can, Mm -hmm. because that usually is an indicator that you don't really want to do it. Mm. Wow. Well, as we wrap up, I do want to ask one more question. Um, I do believe clarity really comes a lot with how we start our day. So I love to ask people, how do you start your day? Oh, so this is one of those things that I cycle around to. <laughs> yeah. um, some months I am journaling every morning. <laughs> I I usually start with having a glass of water right by my bed, but I really start with long showers. Um, Mm. I, I actually have a pencil in my shower and I will even like write on the, cause it's easy to write on the tile wall with a pencil and then just use one of those magic erasers and wipe it off. I did not know that. Oh, like a lead pencil? Yeah. That is awesome. And so I will just like, sometimes I'll write affirmations, like whatever, like sometimes I will like brainstorm like chapter ideas. And it's really funny. As soon as I get out of the shower, I'll take a, if it's like a chapter idea, I'll take a picture of it. And there's my notes. That is so creative. I'm so glad I asked. (laughs) All I could think of is I'm going to take a pencil in my shower tomorrow. (laughs) And the actually on Amazon, I don't do this as much, but some people may not want to write on the walls on yeah. Amazon. They actually sell paper that can be used in the shower. You're and kidding. so you can use, you still use a pencil, um, because ink is, you know, it's going to run, yeah. but, um, yeah, it's, uh, I forget what it's called, but if you look for like waterproof paper or like it, it was easy to find, I found it years ago and yeah. Well, you know what I'm going to do when I get off <laughs> <laughs> going shopping. That's right. <laughs> 
All right. Let's, um, what would you like to leave our listeners with? Any encouragement for those trying to find their clarity or maybe feeling a little bit like frustrated that they've lost some of the clarity that they were hoping that they could get, or they lost some of the routine that helped them get clarity? What kind of encouragement would you give them? I think what I would say is it is time to get started. The second you Mm. recognize it, it's time to get started. A lot of times I will hear people be like, I will do this in six months after this big project, I will do this, but I see how this plays out. If you Mm. are constantly putting clarity last and putting other people and other people's priorities before your own, you end up not being very happy in your sixties. And it's really sad to me when that happens. Mm. And so I guess my big takeaway would be, when you see these warning signs, mm. don't put it off for months. Mm-hmm. Start start something. Start somewhere where you are actually going to be paying attention to yourself and putting yourself first. Mm-hmm. I love it. And what are some of the warning signs? Again, let's leave that with our listeners. I think that the biggest warning sign is when you're not feeling good. Like when mm. you're snapping at people you love, mm. when you're kind of, when you're cranky, um, mm. you know, when you're just feeling genuinely stressed out and overwhelmed, like how mm. many of us ourselves or with our friends or will hear our friends say, I'm so overwhelmed or I'm so busy. Yeah, mm. That's a warning sign. Like mm. if you're feeling really overwhelmed and busy, it is actually a warning sign that your life isn't the way you want it to be. Mm. Love that. Yeah. Wow. Becca, thank you so much for your time today. I love your wisdom and your insight and just your focus on clarity because it's really what our hunger, our world is hungry for. And I love just hearing from anybody who's done the work on that both internally and offering it to the world in a more authentic way, because when we do our internal work, we have a more authentic presence that we can offer. So thank you for the work you do. And thank you for working on your own clarity so you can help others with theirs. (laughs) Where can they find your book? They can find it on Amazon. It's super easy. And then they can find me at BeccaRibbing.com. So that's B-E-C-C-A-R-I-B-B-I-N-G. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Yep. We'll make sure it gets in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here today. And just thank you for your authentic presence. Grateful for you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And please drop a review. It really helps us out wherever you're listening from. And if you want to find out more about your clarity, your confidence, and your courage, Go ahead and get my book and you can find it at heatherpenny.com. Cheering you all on.